welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard and CEO and founder of She Talks Health and the creator of this podcast. I am really excited as I always am when it's podcast recording day, because you guys know I have Hashimoto's that I've put into remission and I've had hypothyroidism for over 10 years now. I'm coming up on the 10 year mark, I believe. And we've talked a lot about the different things that I've used and what I use with women to help them to support their thyroid condition. But we really have not talked about exercise. And that is where Dr. Emily Kyberg comes in. She's a chiropractor and she also has two toddlers. And she has Hashimoto's. And so she and I are going to jam today about how to exercise properly for thyroid health, specifically Hashimoto's, why it's so important to focus on muscle and why some other workouts might not be serving you so that you can feel your absolute strongest and best in your body. So welcome to the show, Dr. Emily. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's it's always fun to have a friend on the podcast because, you know, we can just get carried away and just talk yeah, about totally. all sorts of things. But I would love to just start with your own story because you are also a Hashi's woman. And um, tell us about your, your process of finding out you got Hashimoto's and then how that led to creating the amazing thyroid strong company that you have. Yeah. So I was diagnosed in 2016 after the birth of my firstborn baby Elvis, uh, who's not a baby anymore. He's six years old. And it was really a, a, just kind of a progression of symptoms where I would tell myself kind of based off of the feedback of my mom friends, like, Oh, this must be my new normal. So extreme fatigue, afternoon naps, waking up, feeling that like I was hit by a bus, my joints ached, my outer third of my eyebrows were disappearing. Um, and we know hair loss postpartum is normal. Right. And that classic, uh, last third of the eyebrows is such a classic hypothyroid symptom. Yeah. Difficulty losing quote unquote, the baby weight. Um, and some women will experience a form of postpartum thyroiditis because pregnancy is a load. It is a stressor on the body for most women that can resolve after a year. It's kind of the kind of clinical average. So about a year and a half, I remember walking down the street, pushing my kid in the stroller. And I was just, 
exhausted. And I also had some histamine intolerance. So every time I ate, my tongue would burn. Uh, I had eczema on my hand, kind of hormonal that would come and go with my cycle. It wouldn't really change with what I cut out of my diet. And so I started to search and dig deeper, you know, as a chiropractor who treats people who are in pain, who have things that come up, you always have to rule out the red flags. And, you know, my gut was just like, this is not right. Like this cannot be my new norm. Like this cannot be how I live the rest of my life. So, you know, went the traditional route, primary care, tested my TSH, uh, went to a couple functional medicine docs based on recommendation from patients was put on different supplement protocols, didn't really feel better. And then one of my patients uh, recommended me to Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who really focuses on muscle and protein. Love her. Love her. <laughs> um, and I really, I say it to this day, like she saved my life. And she'll always kind of be like, yeah, and laugh and say thank you. But it's true. So you know, it's the same thing to my functional medicine doctor saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And I get like chills when I, when I say that. And I think about that for you as well. So she took way more. I mean, she took so many files of blood. I was like, am I going to be able to walk out of her office? And the results came back and she said, you're on your way to an autoimmune condition. You have elevated thyroid antibodies. It's good that we caught it at this time. We caught it early, but let's start to dig deeper into what could be contributing to this um, inflammatory overload. So my mom has thyroid issues. There's obviously a genetic component, but there were, you know, just postpartum, everything flared up. I was running a clinic with 10 employees working 10 hour days and I had an apartment that had mold in it and had some parasites from some third world travel from when I was in my twenties. And so really well, just, you had the, you had like a trifecta of the whole development. Oh my gosh. And we know mold and parasites are like best buds. They're like, Oh, let's hang out together. <laughs> totally. They're like, let's be best friends in your gut. And you're like, um, Can you please get out of me, please? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So it was really, and I think a really good doctor will create a hierarchy. We'll really prioritize, okay, what do we tackle first, then second, then third versus treating everything at once. I'm sure there was a component of adrenal insufficiency, just kind of the New York way of like, go, go, go 10 hours a day. How can I push harder more? You know, we were seeing about 120 patients a week, you know, in like a very high-end clinic in the middle of Manhattan in Midtown. So started to kind of step-by-step work through all those things. And I mean, mold was definitely a big one to uh, change the symptoms, but it took about nine months to start to get my energy back and feel better. And for a lot of women, especially us type A women, nine months, like nine months, what forever long, but it's like, yeah, well, mold takes time. Mold is uh, vicious. Yeah. And you know, part of the protocol was supplement protocol binders, which can give you a whole different level of fatigue jumping in a sauna three times a week. So the one thing that was also contributing to this was I was really trying to lose the baby weight. And I think I was doing it in a way that was not sustainable. It's kind of patterns from my twenties of go to soul cycle or spin class, do a double, which in soul language is 90 minutes, 45 minute classes back to back, or I would go to a cycling class and I'd walk across the street and I'd go do a hit class at Berries. Oh and so, gosh, your poor thyroid and adrenals are like, 
oh, help me. <laughs> Don't <Right>. do it. <laughs> yeah. As I'm like, I mean, I breastfed my kids until they were 18 months. So I'm like breastfeeding, you know, probably, wow. malnour- you know, like, no wonder you're exhausted. Yeah. I was exhausted. And, you know, I had had strength training through college and through high school, but kind of just like go in the gym and like throw the weights around, like not really good programming. And I had a trainer in my clinic as part of the clinic. And he's like, Hey, let's, let's do this better. You're, you know, you are exhausted and (laughs) dragging ass and like, let's get you on a program. And so really cut out the things that were burning me out and just really focused on simple moves, functional compound movements, deadlift, squat, lunge. And we can talk about why squats and lunges are tricky for the Hashi ladies and really started to feel better. And the weight started to come off. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I think it's interesting culturally to shift the mindset of harder is better, that every workout we should be in a puddle of sweat, stepping away from that and really embracing giving your body the right dose of exercise to maintain your muscle mass, um, which over time needs to progress little by little, but that every workout shouldn't be this big, exhaustive sweat fest. And, you know, the weight came off. I had a second baby. My thyroid labs looked great through my second pregnancy. And I, you know, I've been in remission for probably four and a half years. And Gabrielle and I used to share patients. She'd be like the functional medicine. And she's like, listen, this person, and we can talk about why the hypothyroid women, the Hashi women have low muscle mass. She's like, they need to get strong, but they need to do it with good form. Mm So we started to collaborate and I felt like I was teaching similar things over and over. And I was like, okay, let's start to reach women outside of just New York. And that was the birth of my third baby, thyroid strong. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. It's just amazing, right? Like we are just walking proof that, you know, diagnosis of Hashimoto's does not have to be a death sentence. It does not need to be something that you struggle through, you can get to the other side of it. There's always a cause too. I I love it in your story. You talked about the mold and the parasites because people, I think we like blame our hormones a lot for everything. (laughs) It's like, or genetics or genetics, right? It's like our thyroid didn't just decide, Oh, you know what? It's Tuesday. Let's just stop working. (laughs) There's all these compounding factors. And um, the other thing that I love about your story is that you like invested with Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who's incredible pioneer in her field and that you just got help. Even as a doctor, you were like, yeah, I don't like something's not right. Like I need help here. And that is something I wish I had done faster and sooner, you know, um, faster than a year and a half. And I just love it. And now, and now how are you feeling? Do you have any of those same symptoms that you had? Nope. At first there was an element of an elimination kind of autoimmune paleo protocol, high protein, optimal protein, Gabrielle would say, and really cutting out high histamine food. So a low histamine diet, which can be tricky. It can be, you can't eat anything that's been like sitting on the shelf, you know, packaged stuff, you know, spinach, pineapple, citrus foods are out of the equation. And now I can eat all those things and my tongue doesn't hurt. I don't have eczema on my hand anymore. I don't get fatigue. I don't take afternoon naps. (laughs) So I actually, yeah, I feel pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I mean, we know that, you know, mold in and of itself can boost up histamine like crazy. We can have genetic SNPs that cause histamine, gut intolerance, just like the parasites you had could totally drive up histamine. 
Like, I mean, there's so many things that you got to address in, it sounds like a relatively short amount of time. I know it seems like nine months is a long time, but it's really not in the scheme of your whole life. Like this is incredible. And I give you a lot of credit because I did autoimmune paleo protocol or whatever, um, for three months and that changed everything. I was so much better after that, but I can't imagine doing that plus histamine at the same time. That would be pretty tough. So, wow, you're amazing. Okay. Well, yes, you said a couple of things that I think we really do need to dive into, which is, you know, harder is not better when it comes to exercise, especially for someone with Hashimoto's squats and lunges are harder and that we need to have the right dose of exercise to maintain muscle mass. And you also mentioned how like soul cycle and all that stuff wasn't working. So I would love for you to kind of explain a little bit about why someone with Hashimoto's might want to focus more on weight training versus spin. Like why is that better for somebody with Hashimoto's? Yeah. So the typical conventional medicine recommendations, as well as functional medicine recommendations, I would say across the board are low impact exercise, yoga, Pilates, walking. And I think for someone who is not having their Hashimoto, like they haven't even started the journey of starting to uncover root causes. They haven't looked at getting their thyroid hormones managed properly. That might be fine. But with the hypothyroid component of Hashimoto's, you know, every metabolic process in the body needs thyroid hormone, including our muscle tissue. And so the typical look of someone that has a hypothyroid component is kind of just like low muscle tone, not only in the physical appearance, but also, you know, if you check someone's reflexes, they'll have slow, deep tendon reflexes. And so, you know, my thought around it, as I was starting to work with the autoimmune population was, you know, no amount of Pilates yoga and low impact is going to help feed that muscle tissue. You really need to resistance train, shrink train, pick up something heavy under load with great form, put it down and do it again. And to have by the last couple reps, that feeling of fatigue and not the fatigue of I'm on the floor sweating and I can't get up, but that it perceived exertion on a scale of zero to 10 of like a seven, like 10 is like, I cannot pick this up. No way. Seven is challenging by the last rep. And this is where it will help to maintain our muscle mass. I think in a normal person, it would create muscle hypertrophy, but because of the hypothyroid component, it's a little more maintenance and hypertrophy is icing on the cake. There are two times where we can lose weight and gain muscle, right? So typically weight loss there's an element of, you know, in an average person, caloric deficit to increase our muscle mass. We actually have to be in a caloric surplus. We actually have to eat more, but for women who are, have never weight trained and are deconditioned, it's the one instance where you could build muscle and lose weight at the same time. So I really focus on body composition and feeding the muscle, not only through eating optimal protein, which would be a minimum of 30 grams per meal, but also resistance training, you know, for women who've never done it, working up to three times a week. And once you start to get strong, everything else gets easier. Like walking doesn't feel as exhausting. Um, You know, everything else is easier. You feel stronger, you feel more robust. And when you're not motivated to work out, I guarantee if you just did like 10 minutes, there'll be an energy shift, an emotional shift, a physical shift. 
Yeah, I'm like feverishly over here taking notes because I mean, I've taken Emily's um, course and it's absolutely amazing. We'll talk about that in a second. And it's, it's like life-changing to actually, to think about it this way, because we are, I think there's a lot of like mental challenges with this topic, because like you mentioned, it's like we, most people who I find, (laughs) most people who have autoimmune thyroid do have an element of type A like personalities. They're like, go, go, go women. And sometimes the adrenals are like, Hey, and your hypothalamus, your pituitary are like, slow down. Like I need you to slow down. And we do it in every, how we do one thing is how we do everything. Right. So it's not just like how we're going hard at work, but also how we are like working with our families. And then also how are we working out? And so you see across the board, um, our Hashi's ladies are just like, let me hit that spin class. Right. And they were not really educated ever about how to feed muscle properly that we actually need protein. I, I remember I did, um, cause I'm a huge fan of Dr. Lyon's work as well. And so I did a protein pacing class inside one of my groups recently. And they were like 30 grams. Like that's so much protein. Like how could you get that much in? And it's like, yeah, it takes time to work up to it. Right. Sometimes for some people, but it's so essential. And when I did that, like everything felt better. Kind of like the resistance training, everything feels better. Your brain works better. Your metabolism starts working. Your body has something to actually feed it. Right. I love that you said how to feed the muscle. So are those the only two areas where you'd say like feed the muscle, like the optimal protein, um, and then the resistance training, are there any other parts of feeding the muscle properly? I mean, really trying to hit anything that like creates muscle protein synthesis, right? So the protein choice where they're the branch chain amino acid leucine is in there, right? Versus like a plant protein that doesn't have leucine because leucine will stimulate the muscle protein synthesis, the growth of muscle resistance training, choosing the right weight. And I think for a lot of women, a lot of women are scared of weight, right? It's like, when do we get taught to weightlift? Not in high school, really. No, no. Maybe. And then we hire a trainer that doesn't really understand autoimmune conditions. So I like to approach it. You know, you see a lot of people with like the Bala bands, like the, they're like walking with like three pound weights or the pink weights, but they're doing so many reps. And so one of the things with Hashimoto's specifically the hypothyroid component is we have slower tendon turnover. So all the tissue in the body is regenerating, replenishing, but with the hypothyroid component, it's slower. It's a reason why a lot of women, after they work out, they feel like it takes longer for them to recover because it does. <laughs> so slower tendon turnover. What does that mean? It's like the tendon tissue and the tendon is where the muscle inserts onto the bone takes longer to replenish. And it typically shows up in the shoulder joints, the rotator cuff muscles that cross the joint and the knee. So where the quad comes down inserts into the leg, the infrapatellar tendon. So there's slower tendon turnover and we need to train those movements, right? So like squat lunge, those are squats and lunges are very tricky for the Hashimoto's women. Yeah. You just, you mentioned that earlier. So that's because in that particular part of the leg, um, there's problems with the tendon turnover. Yeah. So it's, it's essential because you, you know, that you hear the saying, like the motion, the move is the lotion, like doing the move helps grease the groove, like helps the joint. I love all these phrases. (laughs) These are like dad joke phrases. (laughs) I know it's terrible, but it's true. So could you teach a woman? Like I literally have women who tell me I'm terrified to get on the floor 
to hang out with my grandchildren because I'm afraid I won't be able to get back up yeah. to kind of use that lunge position to get back up. So in thyroid strong, we train them to be able to do that move and slow controlled movement, then adding load, right. To challenge the muscle tissue so that when they go do that, it's it, the grease, the, the groove is already greased. It's, it's already, there's that motor control, that muscle memory on how to do that move mm-hmm. similar with the squat. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I also just think about my own journey with exercise and movement and pain. And I know when I got, you know, my Hashi's kind of under control, you know, through the root cause stuff and the, and the medications to manage my thyroid hormone, I felt like it was becoming easier to walk around with less pain. Like I was always someone who had like back pain and all these different things. And I find that when I I'm not taking care of myself, like, and I fall off, you know, any part of the regimen that I have now to take care of myself, I do find that it shows up in these places. Like you mentioned, like either the shoulder or the the knee, or maybe even the low back. Um, I'm so curious to see if other people with Hashi's have low back stuff. Cause that was like a big part of me. And you know, it's interesting too. So in, in my practice, we run HTMA hair tissue mineral analysis, and there's a thyroid ratio on there. It's the calcium to potassium ratio. And what we find, I find 85% of people are like their metabolism is slowed down. They're in what's called a slow oxidizer pattern. And what it means is essentially they don't have enough potassium. And so we see this with the thyroid community all the time. Like I have so many people I work with who have Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism or like Dr. Lyons, it's you, you're on your way to this place. And when I look at that ratio, it's always, always the slow metabolism. And what I tell them is that it's taking your body a lot longer to pull in the nutrients it needs and convert it into something you can use. So when you said like tendon tissue turnover is slower, longer to recover, that clicked into place for me, because if we don't have that right, the nutrition that we need, we're going to continue to have that issue. And I find that when we have the right minerals, it really impacts our recovery and our ability to speed up the metabolism. So this all makes, this is all fitting in so well with what I already know about hypothyroidism. And it's, and it's so fascinating and so true because when you can dial these things incorrectly, that's where we see like these massive shifts where we're walking around without pain anymore. So cool. (laughs) Um, okay. So we talked about feeding the muscle properly. Um, the importance of really focusing on muscle health, it seems like is, is kind of intuitive in, in there. It's going to make us stronger, right? It's going to make us feel better. Is there any other reasons why you would say focusing on muscles for Hashimoto's is like super, super important? Those are the only ones I can think of right now. Yeah, no, that's what I, I mean, from what I'm hearing, that sounds perfect. We talked about how to, you have to be careful, <laughs> but that there's a way to build muscle around it so that your squats and your lung lunges and all these things don't have to be scary. Yeah. Tell us about like what you've seen um, now that you've been running this program a lot, like tell us what kind of like results you've seen from all the women that have come through it, like body change composition, less pain. Like what, what else have you seen from other people? Yeah. So definitely a shift in body composition. Thyroid strong is six weeks. So it's a short period of time. I know a lot of women think like, oh my God, six weeks is so long, but it's actually a short period of time to see a shift, but more stability in the joints, you know, going through their day to day with less joint pain, um, pants fit better. I think when there's a physical strength, it translates over to an emotional strength. So being able to do things that they wouldn't be able to do, you know, in thyroid strong, I talk about like, we do the hard things to build our resilience. 
I think sometimes there's a softness towards the autoimmune population, like, oh, you're in pain or you're tired, just rest, right? Because we don't want to fatigue you more. But, you know, I really believe like small doses of doing the hard things to build that, you know, ultimate overall resistance. So, you know, people asking for a raise when they weren't, didn't have enough confidence to, or getting out of a bad relationship when they couldn't before. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) I love to hear that so much. I see the same thing. I do. I find like when you can get strong in your body, it really does impact your entire, entire life. Um, and I love that just this like six week program, this like thing someone could plug into for six weeks could really impact their life long-term in these ways of getting a raise or getting into a relationship that actually is meaningful for them and supportive. Like that's pretty incredible to say after, you know, doing a program like Thyroid Strong. So I would love for you to tell us like, where do people find information about Thyroid Strong? Like how do they plug into that? Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all under Dr. Emily Kybird. So website, Instagram, all the things. I, I would say like one interesting clinical observation, and there's not research on this because I've looked for it. There's this element of hypermobility, right? Yes. Oh yes. And Let's talk about you, this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you talk to endocrinologists, even functional medicine docs that focus, you know, that have a well-versed in Hashimoto's, they kind of like have given me a quizzical look like hypermobility. And it's, it's more of a clinical observation. So I'll, I'll just start with that. But there are certain points in the body that you can check in the physical therapy world. It's called a bait and score where you look for joints that stretch or go beyond their normal range of motion. So places would be the elbow, the knees, the thumbs, the pinkies, You know, if you stood with your feet together, straight knees and touch the floor, if you could palm the floors easily, that's a sign of hypermobility. And so I was seeing a lot of autoimmune women and still do that also had this hypermobility component. And, you know, going back to this idea of muscles stabilizing the joints, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these women who are hypermobile, they get tight in certain areas. So the hips, the mid back, Sometimes the low back will feel tight because it's kind of swayed. Like there's almost too much banana back. Yeah. Someone standing from a profile view, their knees would travel back behind their ankles, right? Like there's too much extension in their knees. Mm-hmm. And so the typical recommendation is walking, stretching Pilates. Oof. Yeah. Like no amount of stretching is going to create that muscle integrity of the hamstrings crossing the joint, right? No amount of walking, no amount of Pilates, whatever. So in my clinical practice, as I was seeing this woman on the table and taking them through these strength exercises, seeing this hypermobility, them wanting a massage, wanting to get adjusted and wanting to get stretched, you know, most chiropractors would be like, yeah, we'll adjust you. We'll, I was like, no, we're not, we're going to actually take away any sort of mobility. We're going to take away your yoga practice but sometimes I felt like I was taking away their soul. I would take away their stretching routine and I would take away adjustments like that were unnecessary. And I would give them resistance training. I give them strength training, functional compound movements. So deadlift, some sort of push, pull, squat, lunge under load. And, you know, usually the first week they would feel tight because it was creating this tissue integrity that wasn't there. And then their joints would start to stabilize. They wouldn't be hanging out on the ligaments as much. And they'd actually start to feel better. Sometimes they would go back to the yoga practice because the soul desired it. And 
the next day they felt like they were hit by a bus, you know, joint pain, muscle aches. So that was also kind of confirmation to encourage this strength training to pick up a heavy weight. I like kettlebells. They're very forgiving when you're first learning form than like a dumbbell or a barbell and to just keep programming the strength to, to get them to feel better, to create that integrity in the joints. And again, that was like my clinical observation. It wasn't, you know, other than a earlier Danlos, right. Which is like an extreme genetic hypermobility. I haven't seen in the literature to relate to autoimmune conditions, but I've seen a ton of women, um, have that joint hypermobility component. Yeah. Oh, all those sounds. We had a, one of my best friends has that and she almost died from it. She was actually on the podcast as well. And yeah, that's pretty rare. So <laughs> for the rest of us, um, and this is so interesting. I, I'm so glad you brought this up because I have been told over and over and over again from chiropractors as I've moved around the country and different things, oh, you're really hypermobile. And I'd be like, but I'm so inflexible. <laughs> like, I don't understand. What do you mean? And it would be like, cause the joints were like popping. They were like, oh, pop, pop, pop. The movement in my joints was not stable at all. And they were like, yeah, your, your joints are hyper, hypermobile, but your muscles are tight. And so that's, I feel like I had so many structural issues. And when I stick to the strength training, that's when I see <clears throat> that I don't have that pain. So I think this is, you're onto something here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the muscles are probably tight because they're, it's like, they're, they're tight because they're trying to stabilize those joints that are moving too much. I always tell people it's like a bad group project. You have like the type A who are like working harder and the slackers who aren't working hard enough. And the solution is not to make the hard workers work harder. It's to make the slackers kind of pick up the slack. Right. So, so like you could keep stretching the tight muscles or you could just tell the slackers to start picking up some weight and it would probably create more of a balance and equilibrium. Another question I have for you is, do you find that, cause I know you're big on kettlebells and you've mentioned lifting load and weight and things. Do you find that there's any benefits to doing body weight exercise or does a person actually have to have like a dumbbell or a, a kettlebell or something that they're working with as well? Yeah. I think in the very, very beginning for those who are, have not worked out ever, I think starting with body weight to learn that muscle memory of the move, like how to, how to hinge, how to squat is effective. I wouldn't say it's effective in maintaining your muscle mass, Mm -hmm. but it's an important, you know, first step to learn the move with good form. Mm -hmm. Sometimes adding a weight actually makes it easier because it gives your muscles the, the feedback like, Oh, I have like, where should my body be when I pick up this weight? Sure. Um, Sure. So like I find a squat holding a weight in front of my chest, a kettlebell in front of my chest, way easier than a body weight squat. Cause you have that resistance that that feedback mm-hmm. to be able to kind of lean against it mm-hmm. so yeah i think if we're talking like feed the muscle maintain the muscle body weight's not great i think body weight's sometimes great for like a deload like if you're starting to feel like you've hit a plateau maybe you're extra tired it might be nice to do a week of just body weight okay mm-hmm. i like warming up with body weight movements mm-hmm. um in thyroid strong we warm up not stretching, not with a foam roller, not kind of like hanging out on our hamstring, but recreating the movements we did when we learned our movement patterns as babies. Wow. Cool. So babies, the first three to six months, babies just lift their legs up and engage their core. 
That's all they learn to do. So true. Never yeah. thought. And then at like four and a half months, they start to roll. At six months, they sit. Yeah. You know, there's a certain period for when they start to crawl. And so they hit their milestones. About 70% of babies develop properly hitting their milestones, right? Usually at 12 months, we start to walk. Um, and so it's a great way to like neurologically prime the body, how we learn, learned our movement patterns. So the thyroid strong warmup is something very similar. We add a kettlebell here or there, um, just to add some load and some proprioceptive feedback to tell our body where it is in time and space. But I like it better. You know, you see people in the gym, like kind of putting a foam roller under their lat and kind of like laying on the side. Maybe there is some benefit to that if there were trigger points in that muscle, mm-hmm. but could you stabilize the shoulder, you know, maybe do a couple like presses overhead, do a baby Turkish get up, um, which happens like as babies learn to stand to get that same activation mm-hmm. of the shoulder stability to let the lap muscle go, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I feel like what you're kind of describing is almost like, I think we got kind of stuck like, oh man, I just have to go to more yoga classes. I just have to stretch more. I just have to roll more (laughs) and that's going to fix the pain, but it doesn't. And, (laughs) you know, and I know that for myself, it doesn't, it's like, oh, but nope, that's still not enough. Like it might feel a little bit better, but then it's still, we need the extra stuff. So what it sounds like you're suggesting is something that's more sustainable for the long-term stability and growth of the muscle. And that is going to stabilize things and release a lot of pain that people are feeling over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, going back to these like baby movements on a neurological level, we stabilize in a certain way. So if you think about a baby, you never see a baby pull their belly to their spine, right? They kind of like have a Buddha belly and then they do their move. You never see a baby pull their shoulder blades together to get good posture, right? Like, <laughs> That's true. And I have friends that are Pilates instructors, but it's a very Pilates cue to like pinch your shoulder blades, like lift your chest towards the sky. And when you think about a baby starting to get upright, Like a baby doesn't do that. They (laughs) stack their ribs over their pelvis and then their shoulder blades slide down and wide. Mm. So I think some of the cues that we're told in other disciplines don't follow like actually how we learn to stabilize on a neurological level. And so I think if we went back to how our brains learned it and when we hit our milestones, I can probably sit up and pinch my shoulder blades together for about like 30 seconds. And then I'm, you know, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Like most people would be. Yeah, it's unnatural. So I think really going back to that key cueing of how we hit our milestones is a big part of the thyroid strong process. Yeah, I would say that was something that really stood out to me in the first, I think the first or second video you talked about the breath with the movement. And I remember you saying like stack, stack, stack. And I was like, Whoa, this is actually hard for me because I never think to do it this way. Like, this is not the way that it was ever described. So I had to really like learn how do I do that instinctually go back to that neurological process because it's like, Oh, I've been trained. It's been trained out of me (laughs) to do the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. When we start to fatigue. So if you just think of like someone doing CrossFit and they're doing a pull-up or muscle-ups, which is what happens in CrossFit. When you start to fatigue, your body defaults into an extension pattern. 
So mm-hmm. an extension pattern being like a sway banana back, like you were saying, oh, I'm trying to get stacked. I'm trying to get my ribs right over my pelvis and not let my ribs flare. And that's really hard. When we fatigue, we default into that extension pattern, which is exactly like when babies get fatigued from learning their patterns, they basically cry and like, like, eh. like so that extension patterning is fatigue, right? But you see it taught in a lot of dance cardio, donkey kicks. And so it's interesting. I'm like, I'm always like, why are these instructors teaching this fatigued pattern of <laughs> extension compression, which is like compressing the back of the joints in the low back. Why not just teach, you know, how we learned our movement patterns. Yeah. Um, Makes a lot more sense. (laughs) It does. Because you're right. Like as soon as you're like, oh gosh, I can't do this movement anymore. You you do become like have the banana back. You kind of like, yeah. You ribs flare. Ribs flare. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. That's so so smart. That's so smart. And it's your own thing, which is so cool. And I know you've helped just like hundreds of people at this point with it. And are there any other parts of thyroid strong or like strength training? specific tips or things you want to share with the Hashimoto's community that listen to this podcast? Yeah. I think for women who are like, Oh, I already go to a trainer. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm going to guess most trainers have been trained to do three sets of 10 to 12 old research for muscle hypertrophy was eight to 12 reps. I know the majority of Hashimoto's women would be three sets of 12 extremely fatigued would probably feel like they would need to get on the couch and get under their weighted blanket for a couple of days. So in thyroid strong, it's low reps, you know, at most five, six, but we even start with like three reps, heavier weight, and then long rest breaks, you know, and if you go to the traditional hit class, usually you don't get a rest break until the class is over. Traditional weightlifters will do a couple sets, you know, a couple reps, heavy weight, and then they'll go take a walk around the gym for five minutes. You know, usually go to the gym, you're like, why, why is it people like not working out? Why aren't they getting after it? But they're taking their rest. And so thyroid strong is built the same way so that we can learn how to work out without that burnout component. That's so true. I've totally forgot that you mentioned that at the very beginning of thyroid strong. And I, I remember thinking, oh, this is kind of weird. I feel like I should be doing more. <laughs> right. Right. And then you're like, no. And it's funny because when you do other workouts, I find like any of Hashimoto's and you do push too hard, you're like in recovery for days after. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> you don't want to be in recovery for days after. It shouldn't take like a week to feel better from one workout. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, now, would you say that thyroid strong is just definitely specifically for Hashimoto's people? or would other people with other autoimmune kind of benefit from this type of workout? Yeah. I mean, it is Hashimoto specific, at least in the verbiage. Yeah. I have had women who don't have Hashimoto's, but just have hypothyroidism, take it and love Mm -hmm. it. And in the clinic, it is how I programmed for men, women, autoimmune, not autoimmune. I would just change like reps, sets, load for the population that didn't have an autoimmune component. So I think it's really for the autoimmune population in Mm -hmm. thyroid strong. There's also a whole section of interviews with experts speaking to those root causes that could create inflammation in the body or trigger an autoimmune condition, because that was not my specialty. Like I am not a mold specialist. Sometimes I feel like I am (laughs) because 
because <laughs> you went through it. Because <laughs> I went through it. Yeah. But um, have brought on those other experts to speak so to good. those things. Like Gabrielle's on there talking about like how to eat to lose weight with Hashimoto's. Yeah. 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 So, so good. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think it's important to educate the women who join Thyroid Strong. There is one big difference. And the big difference between the women who join and who don't join that they know they have a diagnosis, but they know they are not their diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what, you know, cause it can be very debilitating and overwhelming when you get diagnosed and can feel like paralysis, right? Like, Oh my God, where do I start? What do I do? Mm-hmm. The women who join and go through the program and are successful disassociate themselves a little bit, not in a negative way, but they're like, this is my diagnosis, but I'm still a mom and still, you know, do all the things. Yeah. And so that is one big difference. And I think I'm forgetting where I'm going with this. No, I love the, I love this little rant that we went on. I think, I don't even know if it had to do with the original question, but who cares? Because it's, it's something that is a huge pillar of the work that I do for any diagnosis, whether it's PCOS, endometriosis, Hashimoto's, we get kind of attached to this story that we are going to be in sick bodies. And it is so important to move past that. It's a mental game. It's a physical game. It's a biochemical game. There are root causes. There are solutions. There are programs like yours. You don't have to live this diagnosis for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to define you. You are so much bigger than just your diagnosis of Hashimoto's. Even if it feels like that's all it is right now, we know because we're on the other side that that's, that's not the case. And I love that that's part of this, just empowering people to move past this yeah. diagnosis being everything. Yeah. What I was going to say was the women who do not, they know they're separate from their diagnosis also are the ones who like to research. And a lot of women who sign up for thyroid strong are in the middle of Alaska, Nebraska, and they don't have access to amazing practitioners, right? Sometimes just to drive to their primary is like a three hour drive. So part of thyroid strong is the, are those interviews just to give a little taste of like, okay, Maybe I should start checking for water damage in my house. Maybe, oh, you know what? I did go to Mexico and totally get that stomach terribleness. Maybe I should get tested for a parasite. So I think that's a really important component to start to just educate ourselves. You know, some people feel empowered by education. I know I'm one of those people. I'm sure you are too, where we feel empowered the more we know. Oh yeah. Take that. You know, some people feel paralyzed by it. Yeah. But I think Thyroid Strong is for those people, for those women who want to empower themselves. Absolutely. I love that. We're all about empowering people here at She Talks yes. Health. So this is so good. And um, I know you have, you, people can go to dremilycovered.com. We have a link for people who are interested. So we will put that in the show notes. Um, and I believe it gives maybe like, I'm not sure if it's like percentage off or just direct link, but we will definitely include that. So you guys know exactly where to go to access this program. I personally have gone through this program. I think it's incredible. I think everyone with Hashimoto's should go through thyroid strong. And I know there's a lot of you listening to this podcast. So trust my word on it. This has been really helpful for me personally. I did a lot of work. I did all the root cause stuff, but it wasn't until I met Emily that I realized why the workouts I was doing were burning me out and not working for me. And I had gotten to a place where I was like, I don't even want to work out at all. So um, seriously, guys, go check out Thyroid Strong. Uh, go check out Dr. Emily Kybert's website. We're going to link everything in the show notes. Is there anything you want to leave the uh, audience with? Anything we didn't cover? I think if someone feels stuck, like if the, your audience is listening to this and they feel stuck, 
to continue to search for a great practitioner. Mm. Whether it's yourself, someone in the area, you know, if they're being told your lab work looks, you know, quote unquote, within normal range, but you feel all the things, maybe it's time to keep searching, like really to trust your own intuition. Cause I know that was my process being like, this cannot be my new norm, even no matter what the doctors are telling me and to keep hunting. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know I, I could scream that till <laughs> I had no more breath. That is so important and such sage advice. Thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with this audience. I know that so many people are going to appreciate this. Thanks so much. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.